we are in Romans 13. It actually, uh, I think, goes well with thinking about graduation. You know, anytime you think about change, it makes you a little nervous, a little apprehensive, because you're not sure what's around the corner. And that's kind of scary. It was interesting. I was congratulating uh, Nicholas and Leanna both, you know, for graduating. And I said, man, you know, free, free at last. And Nicholas looked at me and he said, free? He said, now I've got bills to pay. <laughs> I thought, congratulate uh, Tim and Gail for teaching them reality therapy. <laughs> but, it, of course, not just that apprehension. Anytime you need to make a change, it's tough. And, and this morning, we're looking at a section of Scripture entitled, Wake Up and Get Dressed. It's easy to kind of miss the point. As we're working, as we're chasing things that are around us, miss what really matters. And that's what this section of Scripture deals with. So turn me to Romans chapter 13. We're going to look at the last few verses in the text, 11 through 14, and ask you to stand in God's honor as I read the word aloud. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Let's pray. Master, here we are, in need of a spiritual self-checkup. And as we look at your word, I pray that you might speak way beyond this weak instrument. Uh, Lord, I think of your word that tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So take a deep look and do what's needed in each of us that we might truly look to you, Father, with our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It is easy at times, like I said, to miss what really matters. And, you know, being in that half of the world called the male population, I've been accused at times of not really listening. And having my mind fixed somewhere else, looking somewhere else. And uh, James Dobson, in his book, uh, Straight Talk, he, uh, to wives about their husbands, uh, straight talk to men and their wives, uh, he writes about a, a gynecologist that he knew who was really busy. And he decides, you know, it's, it's my wife's having some stomach issues, a lot of discomfort, and Say, you know, I need to get another doctor to look at her. So he called a friend of his and said, Hey, can you take a look at my wife? She's been having these stomach problems, and I just would feel better if someone besides me took a look at her. And he goes, Okay. So anyway, he, he saw her, and this gynecologist said, You know, I, I couldn't believe this guy. He said, I looked at her and found the source of the problem. Uh, she's five months pregnant. 
He said, you know, as I thought about that, I said, how could he not know this? He said, I, he said, I must admit, wondering how in the world this woman ever got his attention long enough to conceive. And, and so, so the picture, you know, so busy, but miss what matters. The president of Columbia University, as he spoke to the student body, said, there are three types of people. There are the many who watch things happen, the few who make things happen, and the vast majority who have no idea what is happening. Isn't that true? There are those who watch, and there are those who are shakers and movers, and there are those who are simply asleep and have no idea. So often, we're spectators instead of participators. And we live in a world that's in trouble. We live in a place of broken people. We live in a place that's on fire and needs people to come with living water to deal with the issues. Edmund Burke once said, all that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. It wasn't different in Paul's day. As a matter of fact, it was very similar we tend to separate ourselves or disconnect ourselves from the Bible at times and say, well, that was so long ago. But people haven't changed. And, you know, I appreciate Jerry's testimony as he was sharing and as he was talking about, you know, as I listened to people and, and had a burden for their loved ones and, and didn't know Jesus. And, and sometimes we just need that. We need to be reconnected to what matters. We need, we need to be reconnected reconnected to the fact this is real life and these are real people and, and, and this all matters. We, as you come through chapter 13, he talks about being good citizens. He talks about the importance of loving one another. And, and then he comes to the end here and he gives a warning at the end of chapter 13. There is an alarm. There is a, a wake-up call of the importance of, of waking up. Waking up. As we look at the scripture here, he says, Do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. I'm going to start here with the fact that he is sounding an alarm. Oh, I don't know. It's been a few weeks ago now, but one of my sons was supposed to get up for an appointment and I went into his room and I tried to wake him up. Didn't work. I tried to talk to him. I tried to shake him. It didn't work. So I went. We had this alarm clock, you know, the kind that has the the uh, ringer on top. You, know, you wind that thing up, set it loose, and it just rings. And I said, I'm going to set this in the room. This will get his attention. So I set it in there where he'd have to get up to cut it off. And I cut it on, and I could hear that thing ringing. I went downstairs, and I thought, surely he'll get up now. I kept hearing it ringing, ringing, ringing. And then I noticed a change. It sounded like the alarm clock had moved. So I went upstairs and the alarm clock was no longer in his room. I thought, what in the world? Then I looked out the window and laying in my yard (laughs) was that alarm clock still ringing. I have to give him credit. They sure made that thing well. I mean, let's face it. Alarm clocks are annoying for a reason. And whoever came up with that idea of a snooze button kind of missed the whole point. The whole point is... We're called to wake up, to get on with life. You know, like that comedian says, get up and get her done. I mean, that's, that's what happens. We're called to get up and get her done. We're, we're called to get up to work, to wake up, to get up from the slumber. When I was in high school, uh, I remember one year our class started with typing class. We had Miss Edwards. 
we'd go into Miss Edwards' class, and it's still drilled in my head, guys. J-K-L, semi, semi-colon. J-K-L. You know, and I could still hear that. Well, my buddy Barry, he had a Subaru Brat, and he'd come pick me up in the mornings. Most mornings. There were some mornings where the bed just spoke so loudly to Barry, and he couldn't even get up. And so I, uh, I had memorized Proverbs 26.14 in the NIV. And this was my alarm call to my friend Barry to hopefully, you know, wake him up. we got to get to class, man. So I'd call and say, Proverbs 26.14. Has a door turns on its hinges, so a slugger turns on his bed. And, you know, Barry would get up and he'd come. We'd head to class to hear that J.K.L. You know. Uh, <laughs> the idea here is it's time to get up. It's, it's time to wake up. Ephesians 5.14, it tells us, this is why it said, Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Hey, He calls us to wake up. That may mean He has to shake us up, or hopefully not, but maybe break us up. So that we're awake to what matters, to what counts. Counts. Notice here in the text here in verse 11, he goes on here and he says, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Hey, this life is a journey and I believe he's simply saying, as life goes on, you got two choices. You can follow God or you can leave God out. One, you need to wake up. Don't, because if you're asleep, you leave God out. And that's what causes the that's what causes the pain. And one day, as we stand before him, we're going to have a personal meeting with him. <laughs> the Bible tells us in Hebrews, I think it's nine twenty seven, that you know it's appointed man to die once, and after that, to face a judgment. We have this meeting. It's a one on one meeting. He's not going to ask me about you. He's not going to say, "Well, tell me all about your fellow church members." No, he's he's going to meet with me. He, he wants me to wake up and know that the clock is ticking. And that, that brings us to the next one here. You check the time when you look at the clock. Look there at the next verse 12. He, he says, the night's nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of night. Light. Hey. Time is it's going. You can't stop it. And he says, live your life. Don't miss God. Don't miss His blessings. Wake up. That's the cry. That's the warning. That's the call. Get on board. Get up. Get her done. And hey, as life goes on, we're reminded that, man, the years just pass and pass and pass. You know, I tell everybody, you know, the old's a moving target. The older you get, the older old gets. Just keeps moving. Uh, I, I don't remember even how long ago it was, but a couple months ago, I had the devotion for senior saints, and there was a piece in there that got my attention with this. I just wanted to share with you, just to get a few laughs here. And, uh, you know, every time we see a, a funeral service or someone with a disease, we're reminded how quick life passes, aren't we? Anyway, let's have some fun with this. This guy said, I got used to arthritis. To my dentures, I'm resigned. I can manage my bifocals, but oh, how I miss my mind. <laughs> for sometimes I cannot remember when I stand atop the stairs. If I must go down for something or if I've just come up from there. And before the fridge, so often my mind is filled with nagging doubt. Have I just put food away? 
Or have I come to take some out? I called a friend not long ago. When they answered, I just moaned. I hung up quickly without speaking, for I'd forgotten who I'd phoned. And when the darkness falls upon me and I stand alone and scratch my head, I don't know if I'm retiring or just getting out of bed. (laughs) Once I stood in my own bathroom wondering if I'd used the pot. I flushed it just once in case I had and sat down just in case I'd not. So now if it's my turn to write you, there's no need for getting sore. It may be that I think I've written and don't need to write no more. Now I stand beside the mailbox with a face so very red. Instead of mailing you the letter, I have opened it instead. (laughs) It moves on, doesn't it? So he calls us to wake up and then there's a second alarm. Look at the second alarm here in the next part of that, that verse. He says, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness. And put on the armor of light. You don't do battle when you're half asleep. He says, hey, be stirred. Be alert. You don't do battle in your pajamas. Now, once I went on a double date when I was in college in my pajamas to a horror movie, but never to church. When you do battle with the devil, be alert. Be ready. And, and, and Ephesians 6 talks about putting on that spiritual armor. You see, the point of this, guys, is Jesus is coming back. We don't know the moment. He says, pray. He says, be ready. And look, here's the other side of it. Even if he doesn't come back, I'm going to him. And so are you. So one way or another, we're going. And he says, be ready, be awake. Now, look at verse 13. He says, let us behave decently as in the daytime. Uh, To behave, it means literally to walk. Walk properly, walk appropriately. Hey, your lives need to to count. You know, wear the right clothing. And, And he talks about... Putting on the right clothing. But first he talks about here about discarding certain clothing. And if you're like me, my closet, I need to go through there and throw away a bunch of stuff. And I don't know what it is. You know, as clothes get older, they shrink. Have you noticed that with clothes? But anyway, they can be filled up in the closet. And sometimes you just need to go through there and there's, you just need to let them go. I remember, I don't even know how long ago it was now, but I had these polyester pants in my closet. Cindy said, these got to go. So yeah, time to clean those out. They're probably back style now. You know how it goes. <laughs> but anyway, the, the point is, there, there, there are things that, that you need to get rid of. And, and he lists three pairs of clothing that need to be uh, discarded. Uh, the first deal with personal discipline, then moral integrity, and the third with the relational harmony as we look at the text. First, let's look at lack of personal discipline. He says here in verse 13, Let us behave as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness. Um, In some translations, it says carousing. It has a word that deals with inappropriate actions. Uh, I've heard all my life, and I think there's a lot of truth to it. You know, you don't really have any business being out after midnight because no good work gets done unless it's by the police and by those in lawful authority. Just don't need to be out there. There's a lot of bad stuff that can happen. Think of Proverbs thirteen twenty. It says, "He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm." Hey, you know, 
You've got to make some choices that are wise. When there's a lack of discipline, you get in trouble. Talks here about drunkenness. We've been doing a Andy Stanley study on Wednesday nights, and it's been it's been really good. And it was funny this last study. He he had a picture up uh, during the sermon of this beer commercial, and he showed these young people, and they were all happy. They were holding beer. And Andy said, "You know, I've studied this a long time." And he says, "I think I found the secret." He said, "When I look at these young people, you know." Nobody's got a beer belly, you know, everybody looks real happy. He says, I believe that the key is you just hold it and pour it, but you don't ever drink it. And I had to give context to that because I don't want y'all leaving here saying the preacher said, you know, buy the beer and hold it and pour it. But but you know, the, the point of all that is when self-control is lost. You know, too often we preachers, we're kind of guilty. If we get up there, and, you know. Alcohol's evil. It's of the devil. And stay away from it. We give people all these reasons why it's wrong, but we don't tell them why. We just, you know why it's wrong? Because when we lose our self-discipline, we do stupid things that hurt ourselves and hurt other people. That's what it's about. You drive drunk, maybe you kill somebody. You get in a fight. I'll never forget when I was in college. Uh, there was this guy. He really. He was only about 5'10", but this rascal benched about 450, and he only weighed about 180. His name was Fred, and Fred was tough. Old cowboy type. I mean, Fred was tough. And I was in the hall one night, and this guy came down the hall, and he said, Where's Fred? I'm going to kick his... I can't say the rest, but you can. And I'm like, uh, you don't want Fred. Yeah, I want Fred. I'm going to get Fred. You don't want Fred. I want Fred. About that time, Fred came through the doors. And I mean, this guy's just a cousin. Fred reached back, hit him. His lip exploded. And I mean, blood went everywhere. And I said, I told you, you didn't want Fred. Hey, man, when you're drunk, you make bad decisions that hurt you and hurt other people. There's that loss of uh, self-discipline. It leads to regret. It leads to shame. Uh Next, the lack of moral integrity. Uh, look what he says in these, these next set of clothes here that we're to discard. He says, not in sexual immorality and debauchery. The picture here for sexual immorality, it's an interesting word. The word literally means bed. And the word picture here really is, don't be climbing in somebody else's bed. Isn't that graphic? You know, what that old country song I think of, who's... Whose boots are the bed under you? You know? Whose who's bed are the boots? Okay, whichever way, you guys get the idea. <laughs> See, there's a lot of trouble as a preacher you can get into when you get words all confused and mixed up. The point of the matter is, sex is precious, and it's meant to be in the confines of God's boundary, which is marriage. And there's so many people that are wounded and hurt and I don't want to get on high horse of, you know, how, how wicked people are because, of the, you know, they're not married. Not, that's not the point. The point is, man, you get hurt when you're outside of God's plan. There's a lot of broken people. And sex has become something less than it's meant to be. It's just, you know, that's, that's the sexual immorality. That's, that's the picture here. And the other side of it, debauchery, uh, it just means shameless immorality. It's just a point where it just becomes a wild party. You know, it's an orgy. It, it's just out of control where... People are doing things. Just, really? 
And they act like they're happy, but the whole time, there's just so many problems that come as a result. Um, it's so sad. You know, I think of pornography. My wife, she's like, I'm not eating at Hardee's. You know, that Hardee's commercial where you got this bikini model eating hamburger, but there's more to it than the hamburger, I'm telling you. You've seen the commercial, you know what I'm talking about. And, and there's a picture so often where sex is meant to sell something else, but you're not really looking at that product. That's a picture. And pornography is such a, it is such a major issue, guys. Um, I've got a minute. I had asked, I got a, a video. It's only two minutes. And I think it just shows the, the struggle that is genuine for guys with pornography. So if you guys can pull that up. on in this culture with that because the internet is so accessible and you can hide. It's not like the old days where I grew up where you had to go in the convenience store and you know the magazines are on the rack and you go, you know, it's embarrassing. You can do that privacy your home. Such a battle. Thomas was telling me as uh, looking for this that there's some church that their whole ministry is based on helping guys who are struggling with this and are trapped. So Anyway, one more here. We're getting near the end of this thing. Hang on, me guys. This third set of clothes to take off here, he says, not in dissension and jealousy. Uh, this deals with deep-seated insecurity. People are afraid they're going to lose something that they believe is theirs, and they become ugly. Hard to live with. He says, I don't look like that. Don't dress like that. Live in grace. Be people of the truth, not afraid of what you'll lose. 
that live in the knowledge of what you have gained in Jesus Christ and live out of grace. That's, that's the call. And how does this come about? It comes through the power of Christ. Is that verse that's flashed up there, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If you're in Christ, you're new. The old's gone, the new's coming. And be connected to God and his people. That's, that's how you're to look. That's God's call for us. And that comes, a sermon's not enough. That's just getting a little bit of nourishment. Get in the Bible yourself. Get with other believers and pray. Listen to stuff, right, Jerry, where you're with other believers. Find a place where you, you can be spiritually nourished, strengthened for Christ. Uh, and, 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 you know, I don't want to... Cl- thank goodness it doesn't close just with what to take off. You know, I share with this a story about a preacher who really struggling. He and his wife with a salary, and his wife came home. She, she just got real excited, saw this dress, $250, bought it. Preacher about had a cow. He said, I can't believe you bought this dress. What happened? She said, well, I put it on and I looked in the mirror. and The devil whispered in my ear, you look really good. You need to buy this. She said, so I bought it. Looked really good. Preacher said, honey, you should have done what I do. He says, when the devil comes and tempts me like that, I say, get thee behind me, Satan. She said, well, I did that. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, it looks good from back there, too. <laughs> so here I got it. But it's not just a matter of the clothing you take off. What do you put on? Look how the text closes. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That is what we are to pursue. Jesus Christ and the fullness of his glory. A few questions. Uh, as you're facing uh, decisions, ask, will this be good for me? Will I be glad I did this? <laughs> will I be humiliated if my family, loved ones, find out about this? How important. As I close, the words of a loved him. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Do not turn him away. Jesus, oh Jesus, without him, how lost I would be. Without him, I could be dying. Without him, I'd be enslaved. Without him, life would be hopeless. But with Jesus, thank God I'm saved. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Do not turn him away. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, without him, how lost I would be. Let's pray. So the question is, are you without him? May no one leave here today without him. To wear the clothing of the sinful nature is not only ugly, it's wrought with disease and death. But to wear Christ is life. It is a new hope and a new chance. Wake up.
O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What are you up to, Jesus? Are there those who need to come to this altar? Those who need to make a decision where they are? Those who need to come and pray at the front and to share with your people? I don't know. But I do want us to be clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the days keep moving. The only way to get the fullness out of them is to be clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else is rags. Only Jesus are the riches. So move us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray.